0: Is it really so hard to have a baby? In the Hebrew Bible, the answer must be a firm yes. It is difficult. We're going to find out why our maternal ancestors had so much trouble conceiving and bearing children. There's a reason for it. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. Not surprisingly, the Hebrew Bible places great importance on childbirth. The very first commandment given to Adam was to quote, be fruitful and multiply. God literally has commanded us to have children and being God, shouldn't God facilitate pregnancy and childbirth? But what happens when a woman cannot conceive? Does that mean that God is angry with her or her husband? Infertility places God's covenant, the promise of land and peoplehood, into limbo. After all, how can Abraham be the father of a people if his wife cannot bear him a son? For God's plan to succeed, the conflict between covenant and infertility must be resolved. Abraham and Sarah definitely struggled with infertility. At that time in the Near East, there was a, that if a husband and wife could not have a child, the wife's servant could have sex with her husband. Any child born of that union would be considered the child of the husband and wife, not the husband and the handmaiden. Importantly, that child as the firstborn would gain inheritance rights. This is what happened to Abraham and Sarah. When they determined that Sarah could not bear children, she gave her in Hagar, to Abraham. She became pregnant and gave birth to Ishmael. Sarah immediately became jealous of them and managed to expel them from the encampment twice, the first time before Isaac's birth and then again after Isaac was born. The second time, she undoubtedly feared for Isaac's inheritance. Yet, Abraham and Sarah did have a child, of course, Isaac. Isaac was born in their old age. Abraham was 100 years old, Sarah was 90. Certainly we should not take those ages literally, but we can affirm that they were older parents. We often overlook one factor when talking about Sarah's infertility. Until Abraham was circumcised, Sarah could not get pregnant. When the three angels visit Abraham who was recovering in his tent from circumcision, they announced the impending birth of Isaac. To father the son of the father of the nation, Abraham had to show the outward sign of the breach, the covenant, which of course was his circumcision. Now that he was a true participant in the covenant, Abraham could father a child who would lead the next generation of Hebrews. Of course, Abraham being infertile was never a biblical consideration. But after Isaac was born, Ishmael had to be cast out. In her anger, after seeing Ishmael fondling the three-year-old Isaac, she cast the lad along with his mother into the desert. God took pity on them and made Ishmael the father of a great nation, the Arab peoples. But Isaac, who was circumcised on the eighth day after his birth, as Jewish babies are up to the present day, he became the next patriarch. Still, it does not remove the fact that Sarah was infertile until late in her life. Isaac's wife, Rebecca, also had great difficulty conceiving and birthing children. She had to pray to God for her children and God gave her twins, Jacob and Esau. She had such trouble with her pregnancy, she actually begged God for death. The twins struggled in her womb and after they were born for sure. Once again though, and this bears mentioning, the younger son Jacob won the inheritance, just like his father Isaac, who also was the younger son. The younger son receiving the inheritance is a subplot of the infertility motif in the Hebrew Bible. Then we come to Jacob. Well, we don't normally think of Jacob as an infertile male. After all, he had 12 sons and a daughter. It's doing pretty well. Not all his wives were able to easily conceive. Certainly Leah bore several children, as did the handmaidens Bilhah and Zilpah. But Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel, had great trouble conceiving. She too prayed to God for a child and eventually she gave birth to Joseph. Later, as the family was returning to the land of Canaan, the pregnant Rachel died while giving birth to Benjamin, the youngest of Jacob's children. Jacob buried her in Bethlehem. Her tomb is a shrine even today, where infertile women go to pray for a child. Looking at these three stories from Genesis, we learn several things about the biblical view of childbirth and infertility. First, as I mentioned before, infertility was a woman's problem. Not understanding the intricacies of human reproduction, they had no knowledge of the role that male sperm plays in the process. So infertility was a woman's problem, never the man's. Second, it was God who bestowed children on a couple. Later Jewish thought beautifully says that there are three partners in a marriage, a man, a woman, and God. But in addition to this classical thought, we can also say that in the Bible, God is also the third partner of a husband and wife when they attempt to conceive a child. But the corollary is also true if God declines to be a partner, the couple will have no children. Again, we return to the unanswerable question. Does infertility mean that God is angry with the man and the woman? In these stories, God certainly loves our patriarchs and matriarchs. There must be something else in play. I believe that ultimately these stories of infertility are the Bible's way to explain a medical situation without our contemporary knowledge. In a moment, we'll look at two more stories about infertility, one from the book of Judges and the second from the book of First Samuel. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome back to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. If you are enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to go to our website, www.torahforchristians.net, where you can find previous episodes, which cover a variety of topics in the Jewish world. You can also access them on various podcast websites, such as iTunes, Spotify, and Google. Also, please subscribe to my Substack column, Bible Stories They Never Taught You in Religious School, a commentary on the weekly Torah portion that I publish every Friday morning. You can subscribe to this column either on Substack or on our website. Two important stories about infertility also appear in later books of the Bible. The first one comes from the book of Judges, which is the birth of Samson. Manoah, an Israelite, praise to God for a son. His wife, by the way, is never named. God gives a couple a son, and this son is a Nazarite his entire life. A Nazarite is a certain situation of piety where the Nazir, the one who makes this vow, never drinks wine, never cuts his hair. He is a Nazarite his entire life. A Nazarite dedicates himself by living to this strict code. And as a father, Manoah could make a Nazarite vow on behalf of his son, even for a son who is not yet born. Manoah vowed that Samson would never drink wine, nor would he ever cut his hair. In return, Samson was blessed with superhuman strength, but his strength was due to his maintaining his vows. Of course, Delilah seduced him, got him drunk, and while he was asleep, she cut his hair. Samson consequently lost his strength. He was even blinded. But while chained to two pillars, Samson prayed one last time to God, who restored his strength. Samson then pulled down the two pillars of a temple, killing himself and many Philistines in the process. The final story we wish to examine is the story of Hannah and Peninnah, found at the beginning of the book of 1 Samuel. Elimelech had married two sisters. Peninnah was quite fertile, But Elimelech felt sorry for Hannah and continuously gifted her portions equal to her sisters, even though Penina needed more resources to support her children. Hannah offered a famous prayer to God begging for a child. God heard her prayer and sent her a son whom she named Shmuel, Samuel, which means that God has heard. Samuel was promised to God he was also a Nazarite and he spent his formative years as an apprentice to Eli the priest. In time, Samuel became the last and greatest of the judges. It was Samuel who chose the first two kings of Israel, Saul and David. Yet his mother gave birth to him only after great travails and a lot of prayer. We must ask the question then, is infertility a biblical motif by itself, Or does a theme of infertility, just a vehicle for a bigger story, that of a patriarch or judge? Either way, infertility is a recurring theme in the Hebrew Bible, and the only fertility specialist in biblical times was God. The infertility motif shows us the value of intercessory prayer. Men and women alike could pray to God, and in most instances, but not all, God would grant their plea. And through their sorrow came redemption and blessing, the blessing of children who would lead Israel to ever greater glory. And this again was the fulfillment of that first commandment in Genesis to be fruitful and multiply. I want to thank you for listening to Torah for Christians. Please like and review this and all my podcasts on our website, www.torahforchristians.net or on iTunes. You can also subscribe to my Substack column, Bible Stories They Never Taught You in Religious School, on the website or directly on Substack. And you can comment about Torah for Christians on our Facebook page. Next week, we will discuss the topic of slavery in the Bible. Just thinking of this topic is upsetting, but it's also a recurring theme, one which we are obligated to explore. Again, thank you for listening to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and I wish you a wonderful week. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for us to dwell together as one. Lehi out till we meet again. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this has been Torah for Christians.